living on the moon would be an interesting perspective, that's for sure. You, if you're on the side facing the Earth, you would see the Earth in the sky all the time and watch as its phases change. But then if you're living on the moon, you'd have about 15 days straight of daylight, followed by 15 days straight of darkness. National Geographic, 1,000 Facts About Space, National Geographic Kids, and we are joined with Dean Regis, the astronomer from Cincinnati Observatory, helping to make this book happen. And Dean, is this your first time working on a National Geographic book? It is, yeah. This is your classic uh, Nat Geo book with great pictures and illustrations to go with all these facts. And uh, the uh, the book is spread out into chapters and, and uh, themes, and so there's sections about the moon, stars, planets, uh, black holes, galaxies, all sorts of stuff. Um, so it's been a real great pleasure to work with them. This is my uh, sixth book total, uh, but first time working with uh, National Geographic. Well, you got everything in here about uh, space-time, weather in space. You have a great historical uh, portion as well about Benjamin Banneker, who became the first well-known African-American astronomer after he published a series of almanacs uh, during the Revolutionary period. How do, you, how do you go about collecting all this information? Oh, it's just, uh, this is a lot of this is coming from my uh, uh, speaking engagement. So I talk uh, about astronomy. My main job is education. And so I do about 150 speaking gigs around the country every year. And I pull out kind of the the top, the best of the best. These are the, the thousand facts that really seem to stimulate audiences and questions that people have about space. And so uh, these are kind of like the greatest hits of all the things from uh, from when I give talks to people. If you were on a really awkward elevator ride with somebody, Dean, what would be the one fact that you would pull out of this book to impress them? Oh, boy, that's a tough one. Uh, I I think that there is a few that come to mind. Uh, I think, for one, it's, uh, it's talk about Saturn. So a lot of people know what Saturn looks like, the big planet with all the rings around it, and that those rings are uh, almost 200,000 miles from ring tip to ring tip but only in some places 100 feet thick. So these are like thin structures, tenuous things. And uh, I, then I throw in, yeah, and you can even see Saturn in a little backyard telescope, too, and you should go do it. That would make the uh, the ride a lot more bearable. This is such a <laughs> This is such a fascinating book because right now we're really seeing an increase in, it seems, society at large returning to space. We had the James Webb Space Telescope showing us fantastic new images. We had a successful collision test of redirecting an asteroid. We're, we're seeing NASA possibly going to the moon by 2024, 2025. Do you see that likely, Dean? Yeah, this is a, a big time for space right now. The James Webb Space Telescope is, the, is really the most, that's the big story from last year. I think it's the best science story of all of the year. And seeing those images come back from deep space is really, really cool. Artis, Artemis mission sending people back to the moon. It is delayed, that is for sure, but uh, it's inevitable we're going to do it. It's just a matter of time. What year that'll be, I will go out on a limb and just say it's this decade. But I'm certainly going to be tuning in to watching uh, because the last time we've had people on the moon was 50 years ago. Well, you have a fact in the book um, about the cosmonaut uh, Gennady Podanka, 
who is the human with the most days recorded in space, 878 days. Uh, do you think it's likely, Dean, that NASA is going to want to establish a base on the moon next time it goes up? Yeah, doing a, a base is very, very difficult. And I know we have all these great science fiction stories and uh, visions of what the future could hold on Mars and uh, the moon. Uh, I would be happy with just getting back first. Uh, but living on the moon would be an interesting perspective, that's for sure. You, If you're on the side facing the Earth, you would see the Earth in the sky all the time and watch as its phases change. And you can even watch the Earth rotate in front of you. Um, but then if you're living on the moon, you'd have about 15 days straight of daylight, followed by 15 days straight of darkness. Uh, that would be tough to get used to, that's for sure, let alone the one-sixth gravity conditions where you weigh one-sixth of what you weigh on Earth. So uh, for things like that, that's why I love uh, writing books about this, because then you can take your imagination there. You don't have to physically go there to imagine it. Um, but it's uh, it, it takes you all around the universe. Well, if I lived on the moon, I could finally reach my goal of benching 500 pounds, because uh, otherwise it seems too difficult to be doing it here. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the plus of uh, one-sixth gravity. You're on the moon, everything's uh, light, and, and there's uh, these great videos of the Apollo astronauts kind of bounding on the moon, jumping on the moon, and one of the ones that, uh, that I think is fascinating is when they have a car on the moon, they could just lift it up one end and move the car around because mm. it's uh, the, the weight is so less. Dean, we had a, a conversation on air not so long ago about Pluto, and somehow someone I respect referred to it as a gaseous giant and then thought it was still a planet. I was awestruck. But why is Pluto not a planet anymore? How did that happen, Dean? Yeah, Pluto got demoted from planet status. 16 years ago. Can you believe it? It's been 16 years since that happened. Um, now, Pluto has always been the oddball. It was the smallest planet. It was uh, not a gas giant, but an icy dwarf little uh, little bit of ice. It's uh, barely the size of, uh, I think it's about like the distance from Cincinnati to Denver. That's basically how big it is. Um, so astronomers always knew it was a little different, and uh, I think that's what led to its popularity a little bit, too, along with the Disney character, of course. But um, uh, what happened in the 90s and 2000s was our technology got so much better that we were able to see thousands of other objects out where Pluto lives. And so it got kicked out of the Planet Club because it wasn't unique enough. There were too many other things out there, and the alternative was you'd have to start learning the 2008 planets in the universe uh, in the solar system. So, uh, yeah, Pluto is with a group of objects I like to nickname the Plutoids, but it sometimes gets called a dwarf planet instead. Dean Regis is the astronomer from the Cincinnati Observatory that helped put together National Geographic Kids' 1,000 Facts about space. You know, I have to ask, Dean, the origin story is always one of the most interesting um, aspects of someone's life. Do you remember the first time that you looked up at the sky and truly saw the sky for what it was? Boy, yeah. You know, I'd love to say that I did it as a little kid and, uh, you know, sitting out under the stars and seeing the Milky Way, but I found this later in life. I found this as an adult. I had already graduated from uh, college. I was uh, going to be a high school history teacher and then took some time off to do other uh, odd jobs and started working at a planetarium where I gave planetarium shows. And that's where I just fell in love with the subject. It was like out of the blue, totally unexpected. 
and I just dove in and learned all that I could about astronomy. It was like one of those kind of like religious moments where the stars started talking to me, and uh, uh, that was uh, going on 25 years now uh, since I started to become an astronomer, and it's just one of those journeys. I still feel like a big kid around the subject, and uh, that's you know I, I hope that it comes through with this book that this fascination with space is uh, is. It doesn't matter what age you are. I think you could still be impressed by it. Well, this is certainly a wonderful introduction into space and into the field of astronomy. And I hope some kids are excited about it as much as, as you clearly are. It is a great topic. Uh, Dean Regis, where can people find you online if they want to find out more? Uh, best place to find me at uh, CincinnatiObservatory.org, where you can learn a little bit more about what's going on in space uh, uh, whenever there's eclipses and that kind of stuff, and comets. And then uh, you can also take an online class with me uh, from wherever you are in the country, learn a little bit of astronomy and get you out uh, doing some stargazing as well. And then you can find me on social media under Dean Regis and uh, the book, A Thousand Facts uh, About Space, anywhere where you get your books. Dean, final question for you. What is your favorite space movie? Favorite space movie? Oh, boy, that is a tough one. Oh, I mean, uh, the classic answer is 2001, A Space Odyssey. That is uh, still still holds up as pretty good. Um, boy, if I were to go, hmm, if I were to go to second best, uh, probably The Martian, but I mm. would also say the book was better than the movie. Uh, so, yeah, those would be my, uh, up there, that's for sure. Dean, appreciate it. Have a wonderful week, and thank you. My pleasure. Keep looking up. Dean Regis, the astronomer behind National Geographic Kids' 1,000 Facts About Space. He's from the Cincinnati Observatory. The following interview was originally recorded January 13th of 2023.